Hello, med students. My name is Zach Olson, and thank you for downloading this episode of the EM Clerkship Podcast. We have a huge case today. This is big. This is a really important topic. Let's get started. Okay, everybody, got a uh, 26-year-old female as a marathon runner coming from the race today. Arrived at the medical tent complaining of chest pain, chest palpitations, and tingling in, in uh, fingers, in both hands. Has a history of diabetes, does have a pump. BP of 160 over 90, pulse of 110. Respirations of 20, glucose was at 80. EKG was showing peak T waves and arrhythmia. And the med tent had an ice sat on scene showing a potassium of 6.5. We have two 18-gauge IV locks in the right and left AC, ice packs under both arms and the groin. The temp was 102 and a half as of five minutes ago. Hyperkalemia. I know electrolytes are boring. It's Electrolytes are like my least favorite topic probably in all of medicine, but you at least need to know about hyperkalemia. Hyperkalemia is one of our critical diagnoses. And the one thing that I want you to remember today is hyperkalemia equals EKG. And EKG abnormalities equals calcium. If you only remember one thing today, that's what it is. Hyperkalemia equals EKG and EKG abnormalities equals calcium. That will save a life. You need to know that. Now, before we get started with our whole approach, what causes hyperkalemia? We know it's deadly. It's really, really deadly, actually. But why do people get hyperkalemia? It can be for lots of reasons. One of the most common reasons we see hyperkalemia is because we draw the blood too aggressively. The cells break open when we draw it really hard, and the potassium goes up artificially in the lab. Even though the patient probably actually has a normal potassium level, in the lab it's high because all those cells broke open when we drew the sample. This is called pseudo-hyperkalemia. But what else causes true hyperkalemia? Obviously, if damaging cells during the blood draw can cause it, then probably damaged cells in the body can cause it also. Like with muscle breakdown during a marathon. Or another classic, classic case, I actually had a sim case on this in med school, was a patient with a crush injury. Cell death causes hyperkalemia. But what else? The other big category here besides cell death is kidney disease. So patients who have missed dialysis, patients who have acute urinary obstruction, patients who have organ failure, now they're in shock. Those are your big three categories of causes of hyperkalemia. Cell damage during the blood draw, cell damage actually going on in the body, and kidney disease. Now let's get started with our approach. You draw the potassium and it comes back at like 6.5. Remember, a normal potassium is around four. What do you do? The patient has hyperkalemia. What do you do next? Five steps. Recheck the potassium. Get an EKG. Protect the heart with calcium. 
push the potassium back into the cells and then remove as much potassium as you can from the body. So let's go through each of these just one at a time. First, you need to recheck the potassium. Now, this is by no means the most important step. That's not why it's first. If the patient is truly hyperkalemic, you don't have time to wait for a repeat blood test. But like I said before, the most common cause of hyperkalemia is pseudo hyperkalemia. Cell breakdown during the blood draw, that kind of thing. So typically it's good practice to recheck the lab by sending another sample. But you don't necessarily wait for that sample to come back. Your second step is to get an EKG. This was our big, big learning point today. As soon as that potassium comes back elevated, your attendings want you to know that you should get an EKG. Because if you see any EKG changes, you really need to finish the last three steps of this podcast as soon as possible. Otherwise, the patient might go into a cardiac arrest and just die. The most classic of these EKG changes that you see, the earliest sign, and you guys probably know this, is those peaked, pointy, sharp T waves. Classic, classic, classic pimp question. After that, the P wave kind of gets pulled flat. You can imagine a string being pulled on the EKG. And then the QRS starts to get stretched out, and then it goes into something called a sine wave. You can Google all of this if you want pictures. But if there's any EKG changes, now you're going on to step three. You have to act. This patient now is critical. They could literally go into cardiac arrest at any second. Step three, you need to protect the heart. Calcium is the antidote for hyperkalemia. This is part two of our main learning objective today. Hyperkalemia equals EKG. Abnormal EKG equals calcium, 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 calcium. Most importantly, we give this crispy, salty, high concentration calcium chloride. We give one amp of it. But if you want to give a gentler form of calcium. You can give calcium gluconate. It's sweet like honey and just flows right into the vein without irritation or pain. But this comes at a cost because part of the reason calcium gluconate is so smooth and non-irritating is because there's not that much calcium in it. And if the patient already has EKG changes, true EKG changes, really bad hyperkalemia, you really have time to wait for a bunch of smooth calcium gluconate to flow in. Most attendings just push an amp of the salty calcium chloride and they're done with it. Hyperkalemia equals EKG. EKG changes equals calcium. That's step three. Step four, you've now temporarily protected the heart. So you need to take all of that potassium and try to shift as much of it as you can into the cells. You need to get it out of the blood. Lots of medicines work for this. Insulin does this. We usually give dextrose or D50 as we call it to go with the insulin so that the patient doesn't get a low blood sugar, obviously. The other big medicine that goes and pushes potassium into the cells is albuterol. And even cooler than that is that insulin and albuterol work synergistically. Insulin and glucose with albuterol will shift a ton of that potassium to safety. So insulin, glucose, albuterol, shift that potassium into the cells. That's step four. Then last, step five, you need to now remove as much of that potassium as possible from the body. There's lots of ways to do this. Dialysis is your classic definitive answer. 
but there's a drug out there called Kaxalate. It's famous. It makes the patient poop out all of the potassium over the next couple days. The unfortunate thing with Kaxalate is that it takes a while to work. And there's actually been several cases of where like the colon has pretty much just like melted when the patient took this medicine. So in emergency medicine, we don't look super favorably upon Kaxalate, but you know, sometimes we try it. And the other things you can do, you can give fluids, you can give Lasix, you can put in a Foley to help trying to get those kidneys filtering again. Sometimes that works as well. So step five, you have to definitively remove that potassium. Those are your five steps to treating what is the most important electrolyte abnormality, hyperkalemia. Recheck the potassium, get an EKG, Protect the heart with calcium, you guys. Push potassium into the cells and remove potassium from the body. Remember our big learning point today, hyperkalemia, EKG. Hyperkalemia, EKG. EKG abnormalities, calcium. Calcium, calcium, calcium. Hyperkalemia equals EKG. EKG abnormalities equals calcium. That wraps up this episode. Electrolyte stuff is important. Hyperkalemia is the critical electrolyte abnormality that you need to know. We'll hit more of these on the future, but that's all we're going to go for today because, like I said, this is a boring topic. So send me an email, zach at emclerkship.com with any comments or questions. Please tell your underclassmen about the podcast as you move on to bigger and better things so that they know where to start studying for their clerkship. And until next time, keep working hard. Keep studying and be sure to enjoy your shift.